The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Well, good morning, Lifehouse. Are you amped up, revved up, fired up, prayed up, worshiped up to be in the house of God today? Come on now. I just left two services over, over at the theater service and they said, hey, now you better watch out for that third service crowd over there. They're rowdy. So your reputation precedes you. I'm looking forward to being in God's presence with you. First, I understand and I know full well that you've never heard of me before, but let me assure you, I've heard of you. Word, ha word has gotten out that the presence of Jesus is in this place. <laughs> and that the people of God are excited that they echo the words of the psalmist, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to Lifehouse Church for the presence of the Lord is in that place. Do you feel it? Do you own it? Are you taking responsibility for it? I love it. I love what God is doing, is doing in this place. I love your volunteers. Man, um, we have a core value around our house that says that uh, uh, God uses your work no matter what your work is. So you might as well work your work as if it was worship unto God. So everybody say, work it. <laughs> Let me work it. <laughs> I just say, Don't, come on now. I knew you weren't saved. I knew you weren't saved, Lifehouse. <laughs> Man, but hats off to your volunteer team. Uh, the best of the best. They really are. Best of the best. Um, and it makes me want to just go ahead and a shout out to everybody who's not serving on a volunteer team just yet and ask, what are you waiting for? <laughs> Seriously, man, God is, God is up out of the grave doing his thing, enlarging his kingdom, not only in Hagerstown, but it is reverberating around the tri-state area. So if this is your place, you need to take ownership of it and you need to advance the kingdom of God through your work, no matter what your work is. And I'm already preaching and it's just my introduction. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Man, I love your pastor, Pastor Patrick and Laura. Your campus pastors are amazing. This worship team, can we give it up for them one time? Man, these guys, where I'm from, we would call them sick, nasty, talented. Sick, nasty, talented. To this day, I have no idea what that means, but there it is. Big shout out to my boys from Kentucky and gals. I'm from Kentucky, so yeah, buddy, right there, but... Hey, let me pray for you and then let's get started. God, I thank you for the presence of Jesus. God, we understand and we know full well that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand firm, secure forever. And so we walked in here on official Jesus business, asking that you would change us, rearrange us, redefine us and refine us from the inside out. May we leave here honestly able to say, surely the Lord has spoken unto us. Change us now by the potency and the power of the proclamation of your word and of your presence. In Jesus' name, and all Lifehouse Church said, amen, amen. Have you ever been so exhausted, so overscheduled, so overwhelmed, so overly stressed out, so emotionally depleted that you acted in a way that was contrary to your preferred reputation or even your Christianity? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'll ask the same question in a different way. Have you ever overreacted to the point that you embarrass yourself? Come on, somebody. Come on, parents, don't, don't leave me hanging. I know you went off on a kid a time or two. I'll never forget the first time that I overreacted in a situation. I'm sure that 
Um, I had overreacted to situations prior to this moment, but this was the first time that I can remember. I was in the third or fourth grade and I had a crush on this girl named Katie Higgins. Now I know she was only in the third grade, but I was in the third grade and Katie had it going on. Let me tell you, I was like, go ahead, big K, do your thing, girl. But my problem in getting with Katie was that I had a bully in the class and his name was Michael. I'll never forget Michael Picker. In case he's listening online, I still remember you, bro. I still remember you. <laughs> and Michael Picker didn't just pick on me and he didn't just bully me, but he would make it his point and his mission in life to pick on me in front of Miss Katie Higgins. Now, how can a boy win over the affections of Miss Katie Higgins if I'm, the, if I'm the target of this bully, right? So I went home and I thought about the ultimate comeback that I could formulate and construct within the recesses of my mind. And so I sat down and I wrote all afternoon the perfect comeback that would, that would just lash out at Michael Picker. A couple days later, he came at me and he started swearing at me, but I was a preacher's kid, so I wasn't allowed to swear back. So I would make up Christian cuss words and nobody knew what they were, but Jesus did. Jesus did. He knew my heart. He knew my heart. And so he looks at me and he just, he just, he just, he just came at me. And I said, sorry for you today, Mr. Michael, but I'm a lyrical assassin. <laughs> And I'll tell you who you are, sir. You're a brain-affected, disconnected, booger-picking piece of chicken on a stick with hot guacamole sauce. And then I dabbed on his head. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't a true story. And then I looked over to Miss Katie Higgins to see if I had properly won over her affections like a knight in shining armor. And she just said, boys are so immature. <laughs> I said, girl, I don't want you anyways. I don't want you anyways. It was a different Katie. It was a different Katie. I want to continue our series today, Don't Shoot the Messenger, and please don't, uh, by unpacking the subject, what to do when you need a new attitude. What to do when you need a new attitude. So everybody go ahead and tell the person on your left and on your right, I personally don't need this today, but I'm sure glad you came. Go ahead, <laughs> let them know. This is for you, honey. You've been hard to live with lately and God sent a messenger for such a time as this. You've been difficult, girlfriend. Go ahead, let them know. Let them know. You know, <laughs> you know I recently read that close to 85% of people, everybody say 85. Watch this now, 85% of people cannot properly articulate or fully control their emotions in any given moment. That's a problem. <laughs> 85% of us cannot properly articulate or formulate a proper perspective of what we're feeling on the inside. And so we just lash out on people on the outside. That's an issue. That's an issue. No wonder relationships are difficult and no wonder marriages are challenging. No wonder there's so much friction and tension and struggle and tribulation within our relationships because we can't even express what we feel, let alone properly read the body language or the tone or the tension in the other individual. What do we do with these unbridled emotions? Think about this, think about this. The reason why we have emotions in the first place is because God had emotions. We are made in the image of God. Watch this, God doesn't just think and will, but he feels. I love what the writer Walter Hansen said. He made the observation that the gospel writers paint their portraits of Jesus using a kaleidoscope of brilliant emotional colors. And he said, if you read the New Testament, Jesus is described as having feelings. Everybody say, feel it. Feel it. 
having felt compassion and anger consumed with his zeal. Jesus, yeah, he was troubled and greatly distressed and depressed. He was deeply moved at times. He grieved, he sighed, he wept, he sobbed, he groaned, he was surprised, he laughed, and he was amazed. And in our quest to be like Jesus, he says, we often overlook his emotional side. When we compare our own emotional lives to his emotional life, we become aware of the need for a transformation of our own emotions. Have you ever thought about this? Why do we overreact the way we do? I mean, I know that we ought to be a people of peace and joy and, and courage and confidence and faith and faithfulness, but isn't it true that sometimes we all have this ugly twin that just comes out of nowhere and represents us poorly? Why is that? Jesus said in John 15, if you stay connected to the vine, the vine being Jesus, if you stay connected to Jesus, your joy will overflow. And if that's true, and we have to assume that it is because it is Jesus um, talking here, right? If it's true that if we have this relationship with him and stay connected with him, that our inner joy ought to overflow and we ought to have this peace that passes all of our understanding, why don't we always feel that peace? Why don't we always feel that joy? Either it's God's fault or, or there's an issue from within. The reason why I don't think that we always sense God's joy or God's peace is because, is, is because we all have a soul. We all have a soul and throughout life and throughout conversations and throughout um, relationships, we pick up seeds along the way. Seeds of unmet expectations will grow into seeds of frustration. Frustration will grow into, into, into anger and resentment, bitterness, hatred. We pick up little seeds along the way, and if we're not careful, we will cling to these emotional seeds that are of no value or no help or health to you. And so we walk around filled with these toxic emotions, unaware that these emotions will drill a hole in your soul. And I don't know about you, but there are times that I will compare my, my life and my opportunities and my skills and my struggles with somebody else. And the attitude of comparison drills a hole in my soul. And because I'm comparing myself to other people, I don't know if you're a good judge of yourself, but I tend not to be, and I always lose. <laughs> I always lose. And that, and, that, and that losing mentality and spirit, I'm not measuring up, I'm not good enough, I'm not this, I'm not that, all of a sudden, it, it breeds a, a spirit of insecurity. Insecurity will drill a hole in your soul. There's hurt, there's resentment, there's anger. Okay, let's just say it. And then there's the X. You know what I'm talking about. No names, no names, but you know what I'm talking about. Their name flashed before. And watch this, watch this, watch this. We will walk around with all these holes in our soul, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. The presence of God comes into our life. Man, wasn't God good at Easter? Wasn't God good at Christmas Eve? Wasn't God good last week? Wasn't there a moment in time in which your hands were raised and your heart was open and you felt the presence of God in your life? The Spirit of God came into your spirit, came into your soul, but it's short-lived because there's too many holes 
in your soul. And all of a sudden, we begin to be mad at God. We're mad at the church. We're mad at the pastor. We're mad at the volunteers. Well, I don't know why this church isn't like my last church. Well, then why did you leave it if it was so good? (laughs) And we're making up all these excuses and we're making up all these reasons to be upset. But we felt the presence of God, but it was short-lived and now we're frustrated and angry at God and his church. But what if it really wasn't God at all? It was just that we had too many holes in our soul. And so there's a vacuum, there's a void on the inside of us and we want to fill it. And so we... we, uh, we try to fill it with things like wealth and status, significance, relationships, new relationships, new relationships, <laughs> a different job, a different church. And we begin to complain about what we do have because our spirit is exhausted, we're tired, we're worn out, we're depleted, we're frustrated. Why is that? Well, I think it's because physical things were never designed to fill a spiritual soul. We are spiritual beings and the only thing that can fill and fulfill your life is a spiritual being. Watch this, watch this. Go with me, go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. It says this, Therefore, in light of this fact that we have holes in our soul, prepare your mind for action. Get ready. Something's going to shift in your uh, situation. Something's going to shift in the atmosphere of your heart this weekend. Prepare your mind for action and be sober-minded. Okay, now let's think clearly about this. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at what? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's good all by itself. I want to draw out three observations from this text as it relates to controlling our emotions and handling our spirit. The first one is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. And if you're not taking notes, I'm judging you from the inside. I'm judging you from the inside. I'm giving you the stank eye pretty hard right now, right now. Number one, own what you feel. Everybody say own it. See, you got to own what you feel so you can control what you feel. But if you excuse it, you can't control it. If you excuse it and rationalize it, you're controlled by it. I talk to people all the time that they walk around with holes in their soul, but they'll never take responsibility for the way they are or how they behave or what they feel because in their perspective, it's always someone else's fault. Well, you see this scar right here? That was my mom. (laughs) That's mama right there. And I can't believe she said that. You see this scar right here? This was my dad's expectations of me that I could never live up to. You see this? This is my coach. You see that? That's my teacher. You see that? That's my last church. You see that? That's my friend who betrayed me. And they walk around resentful and bitter and angry, weighed down by the heaviness of life, holes in their soul. And it's not until you take responsibility for your own emotions that you're able to direct where your emotions will follow. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, clothe yourself. 
See, the problem is we get into conversations and in situations in which we're not prepared to handle our own emotion or we forgot that Jesus is in that very moment as well and he rules and reigns on the inside of us. So we go into these conversations and situations with our soul, with our spirit naked, raw, bare. And so Paul says, you better clothe that. Clothe yourself with things like compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, things like patience. And here's the context for our text. Bear with each other and forgive any complaint you may have against one another. Forgive the people that have drilled holes in your soul. Forgive those moments in which every time it comes to your memory, you feel the the drill coming into your spirit. Forgive just like the, the Lord has forgave you. Different events and settings require different attire, right? I mean, I would never show up to my daughter's t-ball game wearing what I would wear to say the Kennedy Center in DC. Paul is saying, it's knowing where you wanna go spiritually that enables you to dress emotionally. I'm about to walk into this conversation. I'm I'm about to walk into this boardroom. I'm about to run into my in-law again this week. I gotta know how to clothe my emotions so that I can handle myself with responsibility and maturity and a a sense of Christ-likeness. So I better clothe myself with the same compassion and kindness and patience that Christ had towards me. For he who began a good work in me, he's not only faithful to bring it to the day of completion for me, but also to begin a good work in them. Because I've not always liked myself either. And so it's knowing where you want to go spiritually that enables you to dress your emotions accordingly. Hey, don't wait for the right emotions. Choose the right spirit. A while back, I was preaching um, in my state, West Virginia, and I was at this church and I was trying to find some commonality with my audience. I didn't know who they were and they didn't know who I was. And so I said, I said in my introductory remarks, this is so stupid, I don't know why I said it, but I said in my introductory remarks, I said, now I'm what you call a holler back preacher. That means that I preach better if I know that my audience is picking up what I'm throwing down. Now we teach our kids to say please and thank you to say thank you after they receive something that they had requested. Well, in the same way, we're all here today under the canopy of heaven with our soul hungry for the truth of God's word and for his presence. And so if he says something to you through me, it's only appropriate for you to take responsibility for that moment and to acknowledge what he just deposited into your spirit. See, it's not just giving the communicator kudos. You're doing a good job, buddy, keep it up. No, no, no. It's something that solidifies in your spirit what had just been said by the spirit. And so I'm at, so, so I'm at this church and I'm explaining this. And then so I said, I said, I said, so if I say something that resonates with you, that's a God moment. And you got to holler at your boy, okay? Mm, um, you got to let me know. You got to say, amen. You got to say, mm, that's good. You got to say, preach, preacher. If it, was, if it was good, say, preach that. If it was really convicting, say, that was for you down there. Say something, but you got to acknowledge that God is speaking. And then I don't know why I said that this is the stupid part, I got carried away. And I said, I said, and if I'm ripping and dipping and if I'm really, really fired up and amped up and the spirit of God is just coming at you, why don't you stand up and start singing, preach that funky message, white boy. (laughs) All of a sudden, that's so dumb, don't repeat that. Anyways, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this guy stands up in the back and he says, 
why don't you just shut up and preach? <laughs> Not the affirmation I was looking for in that particular moment. I'll, I'll, I'll just say that, I'll just say that. But hey, 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 isn't it true though? Isn't it true that we can spend the little bit of time we do have complaining and whining and griping about the way things are and giving voice to the way things ought to be that we miss the fact that we can't do anything about the season that we're in or how they respond to us. We can't choose our season, but we can choose our spirit. We can't choose their response, but we can choose our perspective. And sometimes you just got to muster up, stand up and say, and say, you know what? Whether they respond how I want to or not in this situation and in this season and in this moment, I'm gonna stand up anyways and I'm gonna preach joy to myself. I'm gonna preach confidence to myself. I'm gonna preach peace to myself. I'm gonna preach the unstat, um, I'm unwavering faithfulness of God to myself. Though none go with me, still I'm gonna follow. I've got faith for this. I've got hope for this. I've got confidence for this. Come on, preach that funky message, white boy. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Everybody say own it. Hey, by the way, by the way, didn't David do this? David said, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. My soul is trying to leak on me trying to leak negativity and fear and doubt and insecurity in the game of comparison? No, you don't, so. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? You're not gonna leak that junk on me. You better put your hope in God, which brings me to number two. Number one, you own it, and secondly, you direct it. You own what you feel so you can direct what you are feeling. Leviticus 23:40. God gave the high priest a set of instructions for one of their major holidays called the Feast of the Tabernacle. And God's having this conversation with the high priest and he gave this command. He said, when you come into my presence on behalf of the people, I want you to come in rejoicing before me with a palm branch in one hand and a willow branch in the other. And it seems like a strange request to us unless we know the significance behind the command. You see, in this day and age, the palm branch represented days of victory and success and joy and triumph and peace, happy days. On the other hand, the willow branch, like its demeanor would suggest, represented days that were downcast, bent over, heavy-hearted, days, days of mourning and distress and trials and tears. And I just love the fact that God says, no matter what season of life you're in, palm days or willow days, move into my presence. Palm days or willing. It doesn't matter if everything's going for you or against you. I'm a good God who deserves your praise. Watch this. God doesn't deserve more praise when you're experiencing a palm branch, and he doesn't deserve a half-hearted praise when you're not feeling it. For he, he was and is and is to come. He, is, he was faithful then, now, and forever will be. He deserves a praise, a good praise, a solid praise, a genuine praise, no matter what you're feeling or how you're feeling it. So he said, come into my presence with both. Hey, the psalmist said it like this. I will come into his presence with thanksgiving. Later on, he says, I will, I will worship the Lord at mm, all times. <laughs> all times. And his praise and his goodness and his grace will forever be on my lips. Everybody say, all times. See, watch this. I don't know if you struggle with this, but I do. And sometimes, sometimes whenever I'm going through a trial, a tribulation, whenever I'm shedding some tears, whenever I have a lot of stress in my life or problems or just a junk happening on the inside of me, whenever I got personal holes in my soul, all of a sudden I begin to magnify my problem. And my problem is so big. 
It keeps me up at night. I'm talking about it, whining about it, griping about it. I tell all my friends about it. My wife wants me to shut up talking about it, but that's all right. That's all right. Because it's all I see is my problem. And because my problem is so big, my God is so small. What David is suggesting, what Paul is declaring is to move your emotions into praise and to worship. Come on now, praise and worship is not a weekend thing, it's a daily thing, it's a, pers- I mean, it's a perspective thing. And so my problem is so big, my God is so small, but watch, watch, watch what happens, watch what happens. All of a sudden you begin to worship, 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 and my God is big, my problem is small. See, this is the power behind the premise. As I sit and ponder, thinking about the goodness of God, I begin to wonder why. God would have sent his only son upon this earth to die. The conviction on my heart, it brings a tear to my eye. It gives me perspective. And it keeps reality far from me. I just want to hide. Christ endured so cruelty for a sinner like me. He paid the price when he died for me on Calvary's tree. I once was blind, but now my eyes clearly see the sacrifice Christ became for you and me. He will stand by like no other man, two sets of footprints within the sand. But as time's looking back, one is all I see. I guess these were the days that he was carrying me. He has proven his love time and again. He's pulled me from the fire of result of my sin. Compare where I am now to where I might have been. Get on my knees just to praise him again and again. God, thank you for loving me. It's undeserved. It doesn't make sense. I mean, the picture is blurred. I'm the one that owes a debt, but you paid my price. Jesus Christ, I owe you my life. Worship, 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 worship. Come on. Everybody say own it. Say direct it. And number three, fill it. (laughs) Okay, if we're going to do it, let's do it. Everybody say fill it. We own what we feel so we can direct what we feel, and then we have to feel what we need to feel. John, the revelator, is given a glimpse into heaven and he writes down in his personal journal of sorts what he saw in all of eternity. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter seven, verse nine, after I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. People from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the awesome, incredible throne of God and before the lamb, Jesus. Watch this. And they were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hand, period. Do you notice what I was missing? In this life, we have seasons and days of both willows and palms. But when we get to heaven, and this is what we, what, um, we remind our situation and our doubt and our fear and our, and, our, and our emotions and our soul right here on earth, that there's coming a day in which no more willows will endure. There's coming a day where there'll be no more crying, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more disease, no more trials of any kind. We'll just have the victory of our long-awaited promised Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Redeemer of all mankind, the resurrection and the life. His name is Jesus. The weeping willows endure for a night. Joy comes in the morning. And so we remind our spirit and we reshape our perspective that God is good. I mean, it's one thing to declare the best is yet to come, and I'm all for that. Let's do that, own that, download that, know that, live that. I get it. But let's not forget that the now ain't bad either, that God is good right now. 
the cross still holds its command right now. Jesus is still up out of the grave doing his thing right now. His mercy is new every morning right now. His joy is unspeakable and full of the glory of God right now. By his stripes we are healed right now. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, right now. The best really is yet to come, but the bad ain't. Um, now ain't bad either. See, you got to own what you feel so you can direct what you are feeling. And then you got to feel what you feel with what you need to feel. And that is the promise of Christ. And let me ask you, let me ask you, what attitudes have been drilling a hole in your soul that you've not dealt with? What resentment have you been carrying? Man, can't you feel it on the inside of you? How it's keeping you up at night? The world, the weight of the world is too heavy. You were never designed to bear such weight. And why would you crucify yourself over something that Christ has already been crucified for? Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Are you burnt out, stressed out, overwhelmed, overscheduled, overtaxed? Good news. Good news. John 16, the disciples were grieving and Jesus was depositing courage into their spirit and to their soul. And this is what he said. Tharseo, in English, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer is an expression that comes from a Greek word, tharseo, and it means take courage, take confidence, cheer up because I have overcome the world. In other words, I have just stepped into your situation. I am aware and I am near because I care about you. I have just stepped into the situation. Lift your eyes towards the hill where your help comes from, the maker of heaven and earth. And I love this, I love this right here. So we walk around with the scars of life and the hurt and the pain and the challenges and the struggles and the tensions of life. No doubt about it. Life is hard sometimes. Tharseo, I have come into the world. You know, I love the scripture verse where it says, where it says, Jesus talking here, he says, I stand at the door of your heart and I, I stand at the door of your heart and I, I know you turned me away once or twice, a dozen times here or there. I know you're mad at me. I know you blame me for some things in your life and you've been carrying around with the souls, with, with uh, holes in your soul, but I'm back. I'm not scared. I've came into the world for such a time as this to heal you for such things as this. So I stand at the door of your heart and I, and I knock and I'm not gonna force my way in. I'm just gonna knock and when you're ready, I'm ready. And watch this beautiful passage of scripture. It says that when you and I open the door, watch this, he enters your life. He comes inside. Don't we declare, don't we believe, don't we know greater is he that is in you, Tharseo? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? Isn't it Christ in you that is the hope of the glory of God? It's Christ in you. And when Christ comes inside of you, though you, though, though you have scars, though you have hurts, 
Though you have habits and though you have hangups, the spirit of the living God comes inside of you. And all of a sudden, you're able to get your joy back and hold your peace, hold your confidence, hold your courage, hold your testimony, hold your joy. The same scars that used to define you now serve as a testimony about God's grace in you. You know what God wants to do for you this weekend? He wants to fill the holes in your soul with his presence so you can get your joy back, get your peace back, get your confidence back, get your trust back, get your hope back. Strength for today, hope for your tomorrow. Farseo, why would you keep going the way you are? I have overcome the world. And I want to heal you from the inside out. What is it in your life that you've been holding on to that needs to be released so the living God can come and take up residence on the inside. You know what? Life hurts, but God heals. Life can tear us down, but our God rebuilds. We serve a God who's not just good and okay, but he is great and awesome, worthy of all our praise. And there's something that happens when you worship, 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 that changes you from the inside out. Across this place, why don't we stand up on our feet? The band is gonna take us into that moment one more time, one more time. Worship, 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 worship. God, we lift our hands, we lift our hearts. We give you the bucket of our spirit, the bucket of our soul. Change us, rearrange us, redefine us, refine us from the inside out. May we leave here honestly able to say, the Lord, Showed up in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.